got talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a post-game Buckeye Talk. 76-5, Ohio State beats Miami, and we don't care that much about that. We care about looking ahead to Nebraska, except Nebraska's losing to Illinois, so maybe everybody that plays Ohio State stinks. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, we're going to dive right in to your text questions. If you want to be part of the podcast and get your questions in, subscribe to our Project Text. It's only $3.99 a month. I got lots of texts back from people today during the game who said, that was cool. They're getting their money's worth. We're, the numbers keep creeping up. Go to cleveland.com slash OSU to sign up or projecttext.com slash Buckeye Talk. Was the slow start more due to Miami's game plan or Ohio State not being interested? You can't say a little bit of both from the 813. Which was it? It was Miami's game plan. I really didn't think this was a situation where Ohio State wasn't ready to play, whatever cliches you want to use. Miami came out and had seen things over three games worth of film, as we kind of predicted would happen, no matter who they play. Um, I thought there was a good scattering report. I thought they attacked them in some ways that we hadn't necessarily seen teams really attacking um, Ohio State early this season. And, um, and and they took advantage, you know, on the safety. I thought they took advantage of, you know, what Ryan Day later said was, you know, his play call, his idea, let's go for it deep. Um, on a you know a double move route for for Ben Victor, and it gave them enough time to get in the backfield to make a play and get the safety. I mean, so just those first eight minutes or whatever, where it's five to nothing. I think I give Miami of Ohio a lot of credit for coming out and just sort of taking what was there. I think it was a combination of. The, oh of, no, no! They said no. Combination. No, no, not a little, okay. not, okay. A, not a little <laughs> bit of what they were saying, but just a combination of. A really bad play call, or whether it was J.K. Dobbins missing a block or J- Justin Fields' slow windup, that allowed them to have pretty much an extra possession to go get three points. So if that doesn't happen, if say like Justin Fields gets that play that pass off a second quicker, or if J.K. does get to that block, or if they just decide they're going to run the ball, well, those two points don't exist, and who's to say that those three points they they get the very next possession exists? So it's a combination of a really solid game plan that allowed them to stay in the game during the first quarter, but also just some wacky things Ohio State did in a situation where you really can't have wacky things happen. I think people, whenever Ohio State doesn't start well against a bad team, you want to put it on emotion. You want to put it on sleepiness, and I don't think that was any of it. I think that's an excuse um, because I agree completely it was game plan. Well, and it's, it's, there's also a thing where in games that you lose that you're not supposed to lose, players will often come out and say, oh, we just weren't ready to play. We just didn't show up. Or really, you also maybe just got your butt beat. Yeah. Like that happens too sometimes. But players don't sometimes like to admit that, and I think fans sometimes don't like to admit that too. They're like, oh, the team that I root for was inferior today. Um, but that obviously didn't happen today. But they did. They moved to – I thought – and this is, I think, a reasonable point that we need to discuss going forward. And we did some of this in the postgame videos we shot. They moved the ball in an effective way for two drives that was more effective than basically we'd seen anybody be against them so far this season. And it felt like stuff that Scott Frost and Nebraska, if they find a way to beat Illinois, God, the West is a mess. Yes. Except for Wisconsin. They're good. You rhymed. That felt like something that another team with a better quarterback and some better skill guys yeah. could do. Now, to Ohio State's credit, they adjusted back. But one of the reasons they got the safety is because they moved the ball 30 yards in their first possession. So when they punted, they could punt it down to the two. Then they right. moved the ball 66 yards their next possession and got it down to the three before they had to kick a field goal. So I thought, I thought we have to talk about game plan. 
because the game plan is some stuff that other teams might be able to try. I almost, I, I kind of wish Miami of Ohio had just gone for it there. I think maybe it's a little bit unrealistic to just kick the field goal there. And because that's where you really get to kind of put your foot on the throat a little bit early, is if you score that touchdown and now you're up 8, 9, nothing, whatever you decide to do there. Um, or I guess it'd be 9 or, nine or 10 to nothing. Whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, and because then, then the next time Ohio State scores, they're, they're probably not taking the lead in any way if, if you can get a touchdown there. And it's, um, you're not going to probably – you have to be realistic about whether or not you're going to win the game anyway. I thought maybe they should have maybe you know, tried to, to, to really push the momentum there early on. But, no, I agree with you, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Like I said in our postgame video, like, all right, take the successes that they had, take the successes some of the other teams have had, and now put an actual dynamic quarterback – in charge of the offense that's having those successes, what does Ohio State do then? When when Chase Young can't just like tee off on guys um, as he was doing in the second quarter of this game, when other guys can't just you know get, get to a, a less mobile quarterback, well, what happens? How does Ohio State respond? Now there there are holes in every defense, but when they attack some holes in this cover three zone, then Ohio State came back and played some man and took some of those routes away. There was a route I think on the third drive where I think maybe Miami thought, okay, maybe with against this zone, we can hit them over the top. And it turns out Jeff Okuda was playing press man on that play mm-hmm. and ran stride for stride with the, with the guy down the sideline and completely took it away. And I was like, oh, that's not there anymore. So it's also a credit to Ohio State's adjustment, which is the kind of thing they'll be able to do against Nebraska if Nebraska tries this. But Ohio State's defense has been almost perfect. There are holes in every defense. It's not like magical. Oh, they run to the ball and they stop playing press man. They're going to shut everybody out. Somebody's going to find some holes here and there. And finally, to a small degree, Miami did that a little bit. Steven, for you, from our guy Tyler Shoemaker, who's a little jealous that I bragged about the fact that I said, I like this minus 39. We all took Ohio State to cover the 39 and were comfortably, comfortably right. I got pushed back from one texter when I said that before the game. He was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the 39 and a half. I was like, dude, no way. <laughs> I say that as someone who's wrong constantly. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker says, is Chase Young possibly an alien? He was out of his mind today. You spoke, when you spoke to Chase Young postgame, was he speaking some sort of alien language? Yes, he was. And the a- alien language was humility. Because everybody uh-huh. else seems to want to brag about Chase Young, but Chase Young. Now, I mean, you call him alien, but like his nickname is the Predator because the whole dreadlock situation. But yeah, I think that is alien language when you're that good. And like Nathan, you said he can't tee. Like I think he's going to tee off like that the rest of the season. I don't care who's blocking him at this point. But I do understand what you're saying. But to the point, yes, the alien language was humility. Yeah, my point just being that teams need to. There are teams who either from having a more dynamic quarterback or maybe better protection will be able to prevent him from doing some of the things he was doing today. There were times today where I was genuinely scared for the well-being of whatever quarterback they were putting in there. I know it's not we're talking like he had nine sacks or something. I think he only had the two sacks. Yeah, no. The two strip sacks. But, but there was one he whiffed on too that he had the guy and he tried to tackle him high. Seven and four and games, away. right? Seven yeah. four games? He's, he's had a sack in six yeah. straight games dating back to the Big Ten Championship last year. But his first sack, I'm watching it. Ha- like Before the play's even snapped, I'm going, yeah, he's getting the sack right here. You can, you see him timing up the snap, and there, you can tell he's not going to get double teamed on his play, and it's like, yeah, he's getting ready to get a sack. And then he goes and gets a strip sack. And even on the one he missed, like that's a great play by the quarterback. That's not necessarily a, a lineman doing his job. And on that second one, he was coming from the – 
depending on your vantage point, the right side of the line to a left-handed quarterback. So a quarterback who should be facing, is facing the area where he's coming from, and you would think would have maybe more recognition there. But I literally think Chase Young got there so fast that I don't think the quarterback thought I could get sacked this fast. Your brain isn't working that way. Would you rather get sacked on the blind side by Chase Young and, like, you just, you think you're okay and then all of a sudden you're cracked in half? Or would you rather see it coming? And I, yeah, I wouldn't no, no, no. want to see it coming. No, I if I'm going to get murdered. I don't want to know my death is coming. Yeah, <laughs> but see, when I see it coming, I can brace and I'm no, falling back no. on my fat butt. Like I can, it, I'm, I'm like, better it, off that way. It's like being on the death penalty. Like you're just waiting for the inevitable. <laughs> just like, ha- just do it. Like get it out the way when I'm not looking. Like that's what I don't. I didn't like roller coasters for a long time. And like Chase Young's a good example with this. Like because like you're sitting in that long line waiting to go up extremely high in, like, a very dangerous situation. No, just, you're going to have to throw me on the roller coaster blindfold, and then I'm just up in the air, and I can enjoy it. It sounded like Nathan was teeing up a story idea, which is, like, I will be sacked by Chase Young and write about how it feels. <laughs> which, like, if you want that one, you can take yeah, that one. But yeah, in, order for it to really, in order for it to really work, we'd have to work out something where I'll just be walking around Columbus someday, and he'll come up behind me and just crush me from behind, possibly severing my spine, because I won't be wearing any pads, or I'll just have to start walking around in a full football uniform. That would be like a good Ohio State prank show. Their video team is so good, they could do a prank show where Chase Young just sacks people walking down the sidewalk. (laughs) It'd be like, ha ha. I would love to like, I feel like all the quarterbacks should take one hit from him. At the end of the season, like randomly in like February, like for senior tackle instead yeah. of like usually they have the senior like tackle a dummy and like no, it's like you tackle the you quarterback, get tackled. So that quarterbacks know what other quarterbacks have to deal with. Jagger Larue, you're up, Chase. <laughs> take your shot. All right, let's go rapid fire on this stuff. Uh, what did you think of the fourth and one QB sneak from under center? That's from Dan in Wisconsin. I lo- he says he loved it. Listen, that's something that Ryan Day has added. It was such a big deal last year that they couldn't do the under center quarterback sneak. They did not have under center in there. You saw Justin Fields get a push. Josh Myers blocked like five yards down the field and made a hole up the middle. You can see how that can be a really, really effective kind of play for them when they need it. This is a Buckeye talk. Uh, callback. Yeah, this is a Buckeye talk callback because we just talked about this the other day, kind of talking about why you know, we were having this argument amongst us, like why the the shotgun is a good idea or not a good idea. And I was on the side of I want that snap under center, and I thought I agree it with you. Looked I good. It looked good, really good. It looked really good. How will the Buckeye defense do against the Nebraska team with taller all conference receivers and a dual threat QB and stronger O line from the nine four one? I don't know. Are they beaten Illinois yet? What's the score of the freaking Illinois game? It's twenty-one to seven, and Nebraska has the ball in the second quarter. Yeah, and they're not winning. Illinois. Yeah, yeah, God. yeah. I don't know, man. I don't. I, it, like Scott Frost is not getting it done. I watched two plays in the Nebraska game. The first play, a Nebraska guy was running backwards and got tackled for a ten-yard loss. And the second play, Adrian Martinez bounced a pass like he was throwing a, a chess pass across a basketball court. Did so, we overrate the, the Big Ten this year? Um. Well, I don't know. We overrated everybody but Ohio State yeah, that's what and, it Wisconsin. Like. and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I don't. The the conference is they have a, they didn't win any good non conference games basically. No, but they, we um, had and they five, haven't looked very good. We had five teams in the preseason the AP top one hundred. Yeah, the whole world, the whole the whole the whole country stinks. There's only twelve good teams, that's but fair. yes, I think you're probably right. This isn't a 
someone is, is trying to say they're not taking a shot at Tough Borland, but almost every time Baron Browning is in the game, he flashes crazy amounts of talent. I don't know what the split was for them this game, but when this team gets into the meat of the schedule starting next week, how can they afford to not have the best middle linebacker on the field? I think it would be a mistake to keep rotating those two when Baron is making strides. That's from the 619. I wrote about that, uh, that, rose, that split. Uh, I wrote about that this week. Baron, I think, had like 105 snaps, and Tough had like 82 coming into the game. Barron is playing more. I know, like, Tough played, like, the first two series. It feels like they give Tough the first two series, and I think that almost be it's worth asking about. I think it might be as they're trying to figure out how a team is attacking them. Tough might be the guy on the defense who's best able to diagnose what's happening and get them into right, the right looks. And then once they have a handle on it, then they can bring in, bring in Baron Browning and he can, like, start tackling people. So Browning's the better athlete, but Tough's the smarter football player? But, but – no, because Al Washington has said a thousand times how smart Baron Browning is. I think Tough is more comfortable being the vocal, like, here's what we got to do, setting the defense. Um, I think Baron can figure it out. I think Tough is more comfortable in the role. So to your point, it, it's splitting hairs a little bit, but there's a reason Tough Borland's out there for like the first two series, and then Baron Browning plays more after that. There has to be a reason, other than like, it's, you know, you're the old captain and you earned it. I think there's got to be a football reason for it. I think that might be it. But to anybody who's concerned about that split, I would say take what they're doing. They're not going to bench Tough Borland entirely. He's not going to vanish. So instead of it being 60-40 Tough or 50-50, it's more like 60-40 Baron Browning. And, like, I would take that. How many sacks would Chase have if he didn't have to sit for the second halves of these games? 20? That's from the 4-4-0. What do we think he's going to end up with? He has seven in four games. He's so he's, gonna, yeah, he's on a pace for 20. I mean, he might get, yeah. And he's going to start playing full games. He's not going to, I mean, I don't think he's going to start playing full games against better teams. And potentially against a team that decides that it likes its quarterbacks enough that maybe you'll occasionally have to double team. Chase Young. I mean, he's definitely going to break the sacks record. Definitely. This year, like, I think he might obliterate it. Which this, is what? It's 14 and a half? 14? Yeah. Which, like, I'm not going to be surprised if he obliterates that record this year. Because the thing is, we haven't seen an adjustment. We haven't seen anybody do anything to stop him. Again, that one sack he had today, it's just a lonely little tackle out there with no hope. Right. No prayer. The thing that teams have to do, which I felt like, I have to see what side they ran to. Miami did a little bit today. They did a little bit of the misdirection. Yeah. You, have, you can't block him, so you have to use his aggression against him. You have to let him rush and then throw screens back to his side. You have to pull him in and run misdirection the other way. You just have to run away from him. You have to roll your quarterback to the other side where he's not. You can't block him one-on-one. I'm not sure you can block him two-on-one. So you have to get away from him and game plan against him and again. I don't feel like teams have done a great job of that so far. Miami did, I think, a decent job for two series. I think yeah. it's also limited the way that like Larry Johnson like kind of wants the game plan to use him because we all expected him to come in and get double teamed this year. He's one of the best football players in the country. And it seems like it's very simple things that they're having him. Obviously, they simplified the defense, but there's got to be ways that you have to get around him getting double teamed. I don't think Larry Johnson has been able to implement those things because teams haven't done it as often as maybe we all expected them to. They should do it more. 2-5-2, doesn't taking players out early due to the blowout hurt their ability to rack up Heisman votes and boost their draft profile? Listen, this is the one game. The rest of the time, they play three quarters. They have one game a year where you play a half, and it's against the worst team on the schedule. It's the Mac school. 
That's what you do. This is one time. So, like, I'm a play em guy. I don't like taking out starters early. This is the one time it makes sense. You knew it was coming. Like, it's fine. Everybody – Tua comes out. Like, everybody comes out. If, you're, if Ohio State's best players are coming out and blow out, so are Clemson's best players and Alabama's best players. It's not what determines the Heisman. So, I thought – did you guys have an issue? Absolutely no. not. Like, what, what is worth – what are you willing to sacrifice for these potential Heisman votes? Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields having his ankle stepped on um, on a meaningless play in the third quarter of this game. You know, J.K. Dobbins doing something to his lower body on on a play. Chase Young getting hurt in some way. I mean, they were cycling guys in way earlier than that too. They were. I mean, yeah. they were playing their second string. Not not their second string, but they were, they were going heavy with the backup reps or the 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 like. Filter in guys. Though they were getting early big reps in this game, I thought that made a lot of sense because I think there's also a part of this where it's some. This is the one game where it's plausible that you can put those guys in early and test them and say like, "Hey, this is going to be your shot. We still want to win this game. We still should win this game comfortably, but it's going to be on your back more than it is in other weeks." And, and show us something, prove something to us. And I don't think anybody's opinion would have changed when any of Ohio State's best players had they played in the third quarter. No, you're right. All right, that's enough about that. That. They rested. They'll play when it matters. Uh, double question. That it's basically the same thing from Billy in Kansas and from B. May. Billy says, um, how far is the drop-off from Fields to our backup quarterback? Is there, are there other positions with as wide of a talent gap? And then B. May asks, is getting Chugs significant playing time the most important thing that happened today? Did we feel like we learned anything more about Chris Juggernoff? I don't know. I mean, he didn't really get more significant playing time than Gunnar Hoke did in some ways. I mean, they both... Played a quarter, right? Except Hope got truncated by um, the lightning at the end. Well, I, the third quarter—I mean, believe it or not—to me, I think the third quarter in a fifty-point game is signif- is more significant than the fourth quarter in a sixty-five-point game. It was still more of a real game there. That wasn't an accident that Chug was the third quarter ahead of him. Right. So here's the thing. This was asked in the post-game press conference. It's like people keep saying, "When are you going to decide who the backup quarterback is?" And Ryan Day keeps saying, "Well, I don't know." Where- it's Chug. Chug has come in first in every game. The first three games, Gunnar Hoke didn't even get in barely. Right. And Chug was the backup. So he's not going to say it. But if one quarterback comes in, four straight games, second, guess what? He's second. Chug threw two touchdown passes today. I actually thought we learned something about Chug, and I thought he looked okay. This, this is also one of those things where – Annoying media types and fans feel like they need to know who the number two quarterback is. Like we feel like it's a thing that needs to be established. Ooh, Ohio State I might gains. With this. Ohio State gains nothing outwardly by outwardly telling us who the number two quarterback is. Well, yeah, but but most teams, you know, this is not some great secret but, thing. Uh, but I. But it also it, it just it means it doesn't. Why? But they don't need to tell us if there's if there are behind the scenes reasons why he needs to be more coy about it. I don't. It, it doesn't affect anything except. Fans and media. I, I mean, think, go ahead. I think uh, to, to answer the second part of this question, because I, I kind of agree with Nation, who the backup quarterback is really doesn't matter. Because we okay. So d- what does that's that? That's not mean? what I said. Because let me tell you, it matters a freaking boatload. I mean, what I mean is him saying he becomes the quarterback. Right, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter if he says it publicly or not. That's what I mean. Okay, yeah. and but, that is uh, what I'm saying. but here's what I'm saying. I don't care what he says. It doesn't matter what they say. Watch what they do. They put Chug in the right. game. So like, right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like it doesn't really matter if he comes out and makes this declaration or if they right. take the oar off of one of those but guys' names. But here's the fact 
Chris Chuganoff is back. Yeah, and I think the question is, you know, Chase Price came in last year and won a game for Clemson as the backup quarterback when Trevor Lawrence went down. If if they're asking, is Chuganoff on the level where Chase Price is, where he can come in and and possibly win a game if they needed him to? I mean. I think it depends on the opponent. Yeah. Depends on the situation. I think that's, you know, if if he has to beat Wisconsin, I don't know. If he has to beat Syracuse of the Big Ten, basically. All right. Kenny Guyton was like the national player of the week because he threw like six touchdown passes against yeah. Florida A&M or Cal or whatever. I don't think Chug could do that. I don't think Chug is run the offense against a crappy team and have it look super smooth. I don't think he's there yet. And he threw a nice deep ball. That's what, people get excited by quarterback deep balls. That's an easy throw. Yes. There's not help. It's you just you put it up. That's they practice it all the time. You tell your athlete. You throw it in a trash can, and like and even Ryan Day said he underthrew the Garrett Wilson ball, and Garrett Wilson still caught it. So, you know, like I thought he was good. I thought he was fine, but you're still screwed if Justin Fields gets hurt. Like, so here's the threshold. You guys want them to win the net, to be in the playoff, right? With Justin Fields, they're 100 percent a playoff team. I don't I don't know if they're going to get there, but they are a playoff team. Without him, they're not. And this is not like Cardell Jones. Yeah. So that's so just that's the, the reason. Don't worry who your number two quarterback is because at, at that point, your season is Because it's one of those things. It, it, it's the difference between Justin Fields had to go in for an x-ray on his ankle and has missed a quarter versus he's out for the year. Right. Can Chug get you through the third quarter against Wisconsin when Ohio State's up 2017 when Justin Fields goes out? I think he could get you through a quarter. I, well, thought, I think J.K. Dobbins gets you. Through I thought a quarter. today yeah. what do. gave me more belief that he could. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Can he get you through the last five games of the schedule? No. no. That's fair, but I'm just saying that Day's going to keep ask, getting getting asked about this by us, and fans are going to keep asking us, and it doesn't matter how he answers it. No, but but we're going to answer it like this: Chris Chuganoff's the backup quarterback because. He's been the backup quarterback in every game so far. Yes. So we don't, we're not going to make that Ryan Day say it. What are the chances that Baron Browning sticks around for a fourth year? I feel like he's been wasted and underutilized. You know, I, I have banged that drum as much as anybody. I, I don't know. I mean, like, he has a role. Don't you, don't you think he should feel good about what he's doing right now? I mean, they're the number six team in the country, and he's playing the line share of the reps yeah. at that position. I mean, I I understand. but it's And it's not like – I mean – Tough Borland's still a good football player. I know people don't think he's as good as Baron Browning. Maybe he objectively is not as good as Baron Browning. But he's still a good football player. He does important things for this defense. And it's not like he's going to have no role. So right. I think what's more interesting is when Ohio State goes to Michigan on that last game, and they have to win that to get into the Big Ten Championship game, keep their playoff hopes alive, whatever the scenario is at that point, what does that what does that match? What does that position share look like then? Yeah, I what think, does it look like in games that matter? I think the tough ball and Baron Brownie situation is the most cliche thing in the world. Like, don't worry about who's starting; worry about who's finishing. And it's going to change. Like, I think against like Wisconsin, you're going to need tough ball, and then you might see those guys on the field together at times, right? And they've played a four yeah, linebacker maybe. look at times. Yeah, you know, against um, maybe ne- next week against Nebraska might be more of a Baron Brownie game. You know, maybe tough doesn't get as many snaps, but again. It, it's good to have both, but as you said, you can't wait for anyone to vanish. But I think I think Barron's in a good spot, and I think he could come back because I I don't think he's going to show enough this junior year to still show everything he could be. 
but I don't think he's going to be like frustrated, like get me out of here. I'll go be a grad transfer somewhere. I'll go to FCS just because I want to play every snap. I, I think he has enough of a role now that he can show the NFL who he is and he can help his team win. And those are the two things that guys care about. When the Buckeyes dominate an inferior opponent like this, do they let coaches try new things? Does Daylight, Yurcich, or Wilson call plays? Um, I don't know. I was going to suggest this week, and I didn't get a chance to, Bill Landis is getting uh, married in January, and I wanted Ryan Day to give Bill Landis an early uh, wedding present by letting him call a play against Miami of Ohio, which I think would have been completely appropriate. Also, I wanted them to throw the ball to Kevin Woodkey this week, and they didn't do that. Just because he's an offensive guard doesn't mean you can't throw him a touchdown pass. I did think, and I asked Ryan Dagg about it post-game, I thought some of the deep shots were tests. I thought they took more shots than they did the first three weeks, and I think they were trying to see how it looked. Well, I thought it was telling that this game was already kind of out of hand late in the first half, and maybe it's because they knew that they were taking these guys out. But there was a long stretch there where, it, again, it's already 35-5 to five or whatever, and they're putting up, they're just running vertical routes and taking those deep shots. I, I agree with you. Um, and I, I thought that was, that was interesting, and, and um, I, I thought that was smart that you ask that question because I, th- I agree with you. Mick in Vancouver, Washington, with all the Big Ten teams so far this year, looking very underwhelming outside of Penn State and Wisconsin. Can we say anyone actually looks like they can play with the Buckeyes? And how do we keep our focus and get ready for a potential playoff spot if we're not being tested? I wrote that post game that it looks like the, the two toughest games for Ohio State in this before the playoff potentially might be Wisconsin and Ohio Stadium on October 26th and Wisconsin again in the Big Ten title game on December 7th. We haven't watched every Big Ten team all the way through, but are you? Do you have any sense? Does it feel like to you? Is Nebraska still losing by thirty? No, to it's Smith? twenty-one to oh, fourteen. With five congratulations, Scott Frost. I'll tell you what, that Lovey Smith, he has won at least three games in four <laughs> years at Illinois. Fear the beard. He is he is hard to hang with. I can understand why the guy who led Central Florida to a fake national championship might not be able to beat Illinois. To be fair, Lovey Smith coached in the Super Bowl before. He did coach the Super Bowl, and then he gave up on life and decided to come to Illinois and cash a check and grow a beard. Um, no offense to Lovey Smith. Personally, he's just been terrible as Illinois' coach. I can't grow a beard, so... Uh, You're halfway there. Where are, are, are you guys at, like, this is Ohio State's conference? Like, like it, you know, like they're going to win the Big Ten unless something crazy happens? Are we there? Well, I mean, Wisconsin hadn't allowed a point until the fourth quarter today, all still, for their whole season. Um, just, they they had bye weeks, just three games, but yes, that's a yeah, it's just three games. So I mean, they it looked like they might be on a, on their way to a third straight shutout. Um, and I, I, obviously, it it seems like Wisconsin, Michigan is not the team that we thought they might be this year. But I, I was, I mean, I, I still think you have to give Wisconsin some respect for what they're doing, and you can't assume anything yet at this point, especially because Ohio State does have to play them head to head. Um, and I'm not. I'm not convinced that Michigan can't figure something out this year. But, <laughs> I might be, yeah, but <laughs> but they certainly don't have it figured out right now. I think there's a. It's early, and Ohio State hasn't really played anybody yet, so the teams don't look as good as maybe we thought they would look. But Ohio State still hasn't played any of these teams yet, so it has to, like you, you take these wins and you take them in stride for what they are. Do you think it's possible? I was thinking about this. Do you think it's possible that Jim Harbaugh? 
went to Alabama to interview Josh Gaddis and that like a guy in a grocery store parking lot who was putting grocery carts away when Jim Harbaugh stopped to get some, uh, some uh, diet iced tea, that guy went up to Jim Harbaugh and said, hey, I'm Josh Gaddis. You don't have to come to the football building to interview me. Just interview me here in the parking lot. And that Jim Harb- Harbaugh hired the grocery cart parking lot guy as his offensive coordinator by accident. Well, I don't think they probably, first of all, go to the actual football complex to interview <laughs> assistant coaches they're trying to take away from other programs. That could be. That would be amazing. <laughs> Maybe like, they plan hey, to let meet. Let me into your house to take away would, your people. It's <laughs> more likely that they would just meet at a random grocery store. They're like, uh, if you've ever covered a coaching search before. Nick? Uh, yeah, Nick, Jim is here to interview Josh Gaddis, and Nick Saban's like, yeah, he can have him. Um, yeah, he, that has been a f- cluster. I think we're finding out like that not ja- that it was Mike Loxley, Loxley who like really had his hands all over that offense and not really Josh Gaddis. And Mike Loxley, who scored 90 points on Syracuse two yeah. weeks ago. Um, this is a really good question that actually we can answer rather than just making up Nick Saban voices. Did Garrett Wilson earn a try – as the first team punt returner after his big return today from the three-two-one, was that against the second unit though? I mean, it's Miami of Ohio, so like okay. it was. Yeah, know. it was. I don't know if it was against their second unit, but it was with Ohio State's second unit. I'm pretty sure. I think they probably he was part of the second unit punt return team. I didn't check every uniform number that was out there at that point, but that was at the point of the game. I mean, they weren't playing any starters in the second half today, so I. It's, it's certainly good now that they have that option. I guess that was his try, right? Isn't that kind of your try? You got into a game and you took a punt 52 yards. So di- didn't it sound like post-game that Ryan Day was just talking to, he did, Didn't he say something about like Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams, like now they're practicing hard or they're doing the right – like so far because it's kind of been like, Garrett Wilson's really good, right? Like why doesn't he get the ball as much? He actually does get a decent number of snaps. His snap count is closer to Ben Victor than you would realize. He just doesn't get thrown the ball that much. Yeah. But that to me was like a coach like – Saying like, hey, like, yes, you're talented, but you got to do all the other stuff. They have to trust him to catch the ball a hundred times out of a hundred. We don't know if they're there with right. Garrett Wilson. They're there with KJ Hill. I guess they're there with Demario McCall. I think they're a hundred out of a hundred with KJ. They might be ninety nine out of a hundred with Demario because Demario did get hit in the face by a Michigan kickoff last year and give that up. Um, I don't know where they are with well, Garrett. I, I thought it was. He said they're practicing better, but he also said. That doesn't necessarily transition to a game. You still have to get into a game and prove it. And I think what I'm seeing from um, from Garrett Wilson is, you know, the touchdown catch that uh, Brian Day referred to, I think, as being the result of, quote, unbelievable talent. Like a guy who's just, those are his physical gifts, are elevating up there, getting that. And there's a limited number of receivers, even on this team, that can probably do that with the consistency that he can do it. But can he do all of the little things for the first 90 yards up the field that Austin Mack, Ben Victor, the guys in front of him can do. I think there's that's where there's still some question is his consistency the rest of the field. But he is but at the same time you can't deny what a weapon that is to be able to throw to a guy in the red zone. He's done that twice now in four games, gone up and just taken a ball away from somebody for a touchdown. I do not expect Garrett Wilson to be the punt returner next week against Nebraska though. No. Do you guys expect No, him? I don't, but I think Jamison Jamison Williams deserves an opportunity back there because he kind of he really showed his speed today as a punt returner? Yeah. Did he put, return a punt today? No, he didn't, but that type of speed. I no, think no, no, no. 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 Punt returner is more than speed. 
It's a good. I mean, yeah, but it's a. You got to catch a punt. It's like it's way. Do you know how high? It's like two stories in the air. That's true. I know that. No, I don't even think Jamison Williams up there. Has he? Have you seen him return a punt in practice? I'm not even sure he's back there. No, I don't. I mean, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson returned a punt. Listen, dude, they have fast guys all over the place here. They've had guys who have run 4-3 here. Denzel Ward ran like a 4-2-1. He never sniffed the punt. Speed is a tiny fraction. The other reason why I wouldn't maybe use Wilson on a punt, unless you thought he was that much better, is he may be less expendable than some of the other guys. Well, but like yeah, KJ Hill's KJ not expendable Hill's either. Uh, that's the great or balance. Mario I mean, McCall. The, I mean. the, well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Ted Ginn wasn't expendable, but Ted Ginn also like ran every other yeah, back for a touchdown. Ted Ginn was an unbelievable. Like, it has to be worth this bang for the buck. If you're right, going to put one of your right. best players back, like the Browns don't put OBJ back there. Right. Like you sometimes wait a uh, key point in the game where they put him back there. They put Jarvis Landry back there and tell him to fair catch it sometimes. And Jarvis is at risk, and he's their second best receiver. It's a great balance of what are they trying to do there. I would be surprised if they change. No, I think I, they're comfortable with DeMario and sometimes KJ. But I think it's something to keep an eye on for the future. I mean, he's showing that kind of acumen in just a flash here. That's something to just kind of put a pen in and come back to it next season because he's only going to be a sophomore. Question, seeing what Joe Burrow is doing at, at LSU, which quarterback would give the Bucks a better shot at the playoffs? Also, are there any worries about the defense against Martinez after today? Is Nebraska still losing to Levy Smith? Uh, no, there's no worry about the Adrian Martinez then. Um is there any chance that Joe Burrow would be a better quarterback for Ohio State than Justin Fields? Joe Burrow, who is throwing for 900 yards a game for LSU. Really, each week, though, I'm, I'm a little bit more impressed by Justin Fields. It's more about what that specific team needs in some ways. And what he's doing right now, the, the, the added dimension he gives them in the red zone, because it seems like he's getting more and more comfortable with those zone reads. Um, scored Both of his touchdowns today came on those fake handoff zone reads, um, making plays his on his on on his own there um you know the passing his precision he's he's completing 70 percent of his passes through three games um i i don't really know that you can complain a whole lot about justin fields at this point and he i think is still growing towards a ceiling i don't know if you would say that about yeah i think justin fields ability to run is so much better than joe burrows that, yep you know there's a difference right there I mean, Joe's been really good. Here's a follow-up question. With Joe Burrow doing really well, is there a sense with the reporter crowd that Ohio State should get some of the credit in developing Burrow, or is he considered an LSU product solely? No, Ohio State gets a lot of credit. Joe Burrow was a fairly, not fully formed, but he was a formed, ready-to-start quarterback when he went to LSU. Again, the funny thing to me is like, he, he, he looked at Cincinnati and LSU as his two main things, to go play for Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Imagine Joe Burrow at Cincinnati. And I thought he should go to Cincinnati because I thought maybe he was going to throw his career away watching Ed Orgeron get fired at LSU. And it turns out, nope, Joe Burrow saved LSU football. And if you think that's an exaggeration, go ask an LSU fan. And they would say the exact same thing. That place hasn't had a quarterback in 30 years. Joe Burrow saved LSU football. He took a next-level jump. Even from last year to this year, he was not this guy last year. They won with him last year, and he was more of a game manager. He is, he is dangerous this year. So I think he did some offseason work. But Ohio State laid the groundwork for him um, and should get credit for that. And as we said, if, if Mike Loxley had gotten the Maryland job when he should have instead of D.J. Durkin and Maryland had been able to keep Dwayne Haskins' commitment, Joe Burrow might have been the starting quarterback here because he sure looks like a guy who would have beaten out Tate Martell and Matthew Baldwin if Dwayne Haskins wasn't here to beat out him. 
So, but then you might not have Justin Fields right now. No, exactly. So I mean, like a lot of things happen. We all know this is the quarterback carousel in college football so far. But yes, hundred percent. I think LSU would agree. Right. It wasn't like they got some guy who was like, well, I don't know. We're getting this Burrow guy from Ohio State. We don't know if he can play. They were like, oh no, our starting quarterback is coming here now. Ohio State, a, a top fifteen program, got a free quarterback because a top five program couldn't start him. So LSU knows that Ohio State deserves a lot of credit for that. I did not notice this. Did we glean anything? This is from the 415 from the disappearance of Pete Warner in the game after what looked like the second or third series. Did he not play as much then? I you know, I I'm going to also say I did not notice that just because it was also a, so early in this game they were moving so many different guys in that I didn't necessarily take anything that his absence meant any more than anybody else's absence. I mean, Chase Young was not playing some yeah. snaps in the first half. I mean, they were playing some other linebacker looks. Taraja Mitchell was in there. Dallas Camp got, got, I mean, yeah. like they, Baron Browning was in there with, you know, like they did a lot of different stuff. I don't know. Again, we saw them. Pete Warner gets beat in the end zone on the tight end fade, has the pass interference, and then like next series, Brendan White's in. I didn't notice from there. What happened? But if that is an adjustment, again, I if there's a tight end split out in the slot, I thought that's what Brendan White's job was going to be, cover tight ends in the slot. If it's more of a run set with the tight end, then it's Pete Werner. So I don't know. But I do think maybe it's going to be more Brendan White against Nebraska. Well, yeah, but I'd, I'd have to go back and look at that play. I mean, did he... If, they split if, the tight end out, and Werner ended up like singled up on the tight end. Right. Yes, I remember that part. I just can't remember if it was... Is all that happening after the play goes in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did is that something that Warner just had to adjust to that? Whoever was on the field was going to have to adjust to that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's like, yeah, you you have the tight end in. You're, he's in because the tight end's in. Then the tight end splits out. You, you know the personnel. You don't know the formation. Yeah. And all of a sudden. But they're also going to try to take advantage of matchups. I don't think it's as simple as teams saying, we'll throw at Pete Warner and we'll run on Brendan White. But I think that might be part of it, you know. And you're not going to change. You're not going to change your whole offensive play calling because they switch out one of the eleven guys. But that did on two plays that stood out. I don't know about these. I think sometimes people like us help contribute to questions like these, and we'll quit soon. From the two six seven, do you think Ryan Day prioritizes the season and playoff more so than Urban, in the sense that the Michigan game took over for Urban, but Ryan is big picture right now, kind of what Randy Wade. who's Sean Wade's dad, who was on the podcast about a month and a half ago, was talking about, um, listen, if you don't beat Michigan, you're not going to the playoff. Right. So, like, nobody could ever prioritize the Michigan game more than Urban Meyer. But I also will tell you, Urban Meyer really wanted to make the playoff. So, like, I don't know how to answer a question like that because everybody wants to win every game. Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle had a better plan for the Michigan game than John Cooper ever did. They have a better plan for the Michigan game than Jim Harbaugh ever did. They, they prioritize that the right way. I think there is an approach to your rivalry game. But in terms of like your approach to the playoff, everybody wants to make the playoff. Because I will tell you, Urban was not – Urban went 11 – last year Ohio State had the best season you can have as a Big Ten team without going to the playoff. You have one loss. Because if you go undefeated, you're going to the playoff. You have one loss. You beat your rival in a convincing, historic, oh, yeah. awesome yeah. fashion, yeah. and then you go to the Rose Bowl and win. That is the best. And win the Big Ten Championship. And win the Big Ten Championship. That is the best. Rose Bowl, Big Ten Championship, beat Michigan. That's the best season you can have and not go to the playoff. And when I sat in Urban's office, 
He was talking about how some coaches come back because they feel like they didn't go out the right way. He says, I don't feel that. I felt like I went out the right way. But you would have liked another swing at the playoff. You know, there wasn't a period at the end of that sentence. There was a comma and a but. There's a playoff but. Of course he wanted the playoff. So I just – do you guys buy any idea no. of like there's a different approach? Here's the thing. Again, and I think I've said this now a few times. It's like I understand why people look at that 49-20 to 20 score at Purdue or the, the whatever the lopsided score was against Iowa. And they look at those as being these crazy anomalies. Ohio State lost to a bowl team on the road. I know the scores were lopsided, but just the fact that they lost those games is not a travesty in itself. Like, it's, you know, they only take four to the playoff. It's a very thin margin for error. And really, really, really good Ohio State teams didn't quite get there. I don't think that comes necessarily from a lack of wanting to win those games or not wanting to win those games as much as they wanted to win other games. It is probably true that Michigan is the one game on the regular season schedule that they want to win more than anything. Like, if things were just, if some apocalypse uh, football apocalypse were happening, and they were 0-11. They're still going to want to win that Michigan game, obviously. But Or if they could only win, if you told them before the year they can only win one game, that's the one they pick. But that's not um, that's not realistic. They really want to win all 12 of those things. And I think it's also where, like, I think the programs were when these coaches took over. Like, Jim Tressel had his initial, like, when the first time he spoke to the public, it's, I promise you we're going to beat Michigan. I promise you we're going to beat Michigan. Urban Meyer came to a team who was coming off a, a pretty much a throwaway year, and he's also an Ohio native. So, like, he understood the rivalry in a way that Ryan Day is not going to understand as a New Hampshire as a New Hampshire guy. Ryan Day is coming into, an, into a program where it's, like, as far as from a, a day-to-day thing, you just kind of keep the train rolling. And the only issue really has been the Big Ten hasn't had a consistent per- – team in the playoff for whatever the last two years because of a bad loss. And that's like his, his uphill climb is not having that bad loss for urban Meyer. It was like rewriting a ship that had gone wrong. And for Jim Tresselwitz, I promise you we're going to beat Michigan. So some of that is just where the program is when they took over the position. All right, we got to get out of here. Um, well, I'll try to answer the, if I didn't get your questions, I'll try to answer them. We'll try to delve into them. Maybe uh, we'll save some of these and get into midweek, but uh, we cannot risk getting locked in Ohio stadium. So, please try the text if you haven't tried it. Uh, Cleveland.com slash OSU. Go read our stories there, first of all. Go read our stories. We need more people reading our stories. Subscribe to the text. Drop us reviews on iTunes. And make sure you're listening to the Wednesday podcast. A more interesting game this week will be building up all week. So, for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. Please don't let us get locked in. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>